Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. On today's episode, we have a pre-recorded recovery talk that we've done at Body Matters, and this is a special guest, Sarah. Now, Sarah has been very open with her personal recovery journey, and as always, we have no doubt that this will definitely inspire others to understand that recovery is possible. So we hope that you enjoy this recovery talk and learn a little bit of something from her own experience. Gosh, I don't even know where to start, but um, I guess my recovery journey started just over three years ago, um, although I had been dealing with an eating disorder since I was 16. So uh, it was 12 years before I started receiving support. Um, and it wasn't by choice that I went so long without seeking treatment. It was because I didn't realise that I had an eating disorder. I didn't really know what I was experiencing um, and that what I was experiencing wasn't normal. And I didn't know how to communicate that to healthcare providers. So I didn't know how to, you know, tell my GP or my psychologist that about what I was experiencing. So as I said, my earliest memory of engaging in eating disorder behaviours was when I was around 16, um, although I'm sure that it started earlier and I had very fortunately existed in my body for around 15 to 16 years with very minimal thought or preoccupation um, around it. I grew up uh, in a body that I just believed it just was a body. Um, it didn't sort of have you know, any, what my worth or value wasn't attached to that. I didn't receive any unsolicited comments about my weight or body shape by any family or peers. Um, And I could quite easily move around. I could find clothes in my size in stores. So changing my body never actually really became a thing until I hit the 15, 16 um, year old period. And I guess that was when puberty started to hit me and I started to get some shape to my body. And this seemed to catch the attention of some boys at my high school and um, it turned into bullying around my appearance um, and being called some really horrible things. And as a 15 or 16 year old, that really you know, devastated me. I wanted to be accepted and um, I didn't realise that, you know, there was something wrong with my body. So I started experiencing some body dysphoria. Um, I began to really loathe and, and feel uncomfortable in my body and I thought that in order to be accepted, I had to look a certain way, um, to be smaller, to lose weight and this behaviour also began to coincide with some difficulties with some interpersonal relationships that I was having. Um, so during high school, I had a falling out with a group of friends which felt like the, the end of the world when I was 16. Um, you know, I grew up in a small town where the options of friends was very limited and um, I just felt really, really alone. I started to withdraw from, you know, my usual activities like competitive sports. I started struggling with my studies at high school. I, I didn't want to go to school. I became really withdrawn and moody at home. And I also had a fairly dysfunctional home life too. Um, so my parents had divorced. Um, I experienced, you know, I, I witnessed several years of domestic violence. Um, 
and even though they had divorced, there were still ongoing, you know, issues around you know, money and custody and um, travelling between the two households and dealing with my mum entering new relationships. So I began to become, I began, began to come really depressed and I didn't know how to deal with everything that I was experiencing at that time. And I now sort of realised that there was a lot of trauma in my life. Um, and because of this trauma and not knowing how to deal with the trauma, I started to use food to numb my feelings. It became a bit of a way for me, a bit of a way for me to manage my emotions. It gave me some comfort, um, you know, comfort that I wasn't receiving from other areas of my life. I didn't feel safe at home. I didn't feel safe at school. Um, you know, I started eating in secret. I hid food in my room. I raided the pantry when my family wasn't home. Um, I didn't feel overly guilty or shameful at this point because the experience was so new to me. Um, and with the binging, I started uh, gaining a little bit of weight, um, which was probably a combination of the binging and my changing body and no longer playing sports and things like that. But um, the weight gain, which wasn't overly significant, um, resulted in me wanting to lose weight and, um, and go on a diet. And so I started engaging in those restrictive behaviours, um, like skipping meals, cutting certain food groups, counting calories and obsessive exercise as well. Um, just wanting to change my body um, and even convincing my mum to let me buy diet pills at one point as well. But I thought that this behaviour was quite normal. You know, a common way for me to bond with friends was to talk about how, you know, we were fat or we didn't like our bodies and nothing was ever really said to me uh, by my family and friends. And I guess it was because that they didn't think that my behaviour was overly concerning. So some of it I was doing without them knowing, but you know, the exercising and I guess wanting to eat healthy too. Um, and my behaviours weren't leading to significant changes to my body as well. And I guess with that perception of what we had been taught an eating disorder looked like, um, I sort of believed and, and was taught that um, an eating disorder had a, had a look to it and um, it involved someone being underweight. So, you know, that didn't really ring any bells to myself or to any of my family or my friends. I was simply just, you know, on a bit of a health kick. At the time, I wasn't engaging any in any self-induced vomiting, so I didn't believe that I had bulimia either. Um, and because of those restrictive behaviours, being cancelled out by the binging, I wasn't losing weight. So on the outside, I couldn't possibly have an eating disorder. Um, and I guess that's why it went undiagnosed for so long. Um, so yeah, these behaviours sort of continued into adulthood. Um, in addition to binge eating, um, I started engaging in, you know, binge, binge drinking and living a bit of a party lifestyle. Um, transitioning from high school to uni and with that came a lot of weight gain and a lot of dissatisfaction with my body again and I was in a pretty unhappy relationship. I lost a few friends um, as I distanced myself from the party lifestyle um, and again found myself falling into that cycle of 
using food as a way to comfort me and and deal with life. I, I hated the way that I looked, so I started engaging in those restrictive behaviours again. And I, you know, ended up joining a gym and exercised obsessively. I did one of those twelve week challenges where they have like the weekly weigh-ins and um, in measurements and things like that. I had meal plans and exercise routine. And I had some events coming up that I wanted to look good for and I ended up losing quite a bit of weight. Um, but I was still miserable. I still felt really unhappy in my body. I was miserable by punishing myself at the gym. I was doing exercise that I didn't enjoy. I was eating foods that I didn't love. Um, and my depression and anxiety got quite severe. And I ended up in hospital after an attempt on uh, ending my life. Um, I didn't want to end my life, but essentially it was just a cry for help. And, you know, unfortunately at that point, I wasn't, wasn't, I still wasn't able to get the help that I needed. Um, so my relationship with my body um, and with food started to become more fractured over time, um, especially with social media sort of becoming a big part of our lives. I would constantly compare myself to other people. Um, I just desperately wanted to lose weight, became my life, my life purpose. So would research all the different kinds of diets and, you know, use laxative and, and, and diet shakes and, and nothing would seem to work for me. And it was this um, diet restrict binge cycle, you know, nothing would seem to work and that would make me feel more worse, um, more down. So I would turn to food again and yeah, it was just this on and off sort of cycle and um, it's, it, the binging happened a lot when there were quite significant events in my life. So um, I ended up in an abusive relationship for over two years and to cope with things that I was experiencing, I, I turned to food again, um, which resulted in a more weight gain. And then once I was able to leave that relationship, the binging did decrease for a while, uh, but I became really focused on weight loss again and the dieting and excessive exercise and wanting to make my body smaller. And a trigger for me then was, well, now I'm single, I, I want to lose weight, I want to meet someone. And when I reflect back on that, the period between that hospitalisation and probably the middle of 2015 I wasn't seeking any support for my mental health and I thought that I was managing okay with these you know different coping um, strategies but you know I wasn't I was just using them as a way to, to deal with it on my own and I ended up having quite a significant breakdown during that time which resulted in me sort of um reducing my uni load and deferring studies um, and then from about 2016 to 2017 um, I was just on a massive binge episode you know there was no restriction in between um, and with that I gained a significant amount of weight I also experienced the loss of a very important friendship which again triggered those feelings of unworthiness. Um, you know, reflecting on my, my journey, I can see that I did seek a lot of validation from other people. 
and when I didn't receive that, you know, food was always there for me to, to make me feel better about myself. I, you know, started navigating a new relationship. I was um, in full-time work after taking a break from uni. I, um, and then that all came crashing down um, at the beginning of 2017, where I got to the point where I couldn't get out of bed anymore. I couldn't leave the house and I ended up leaving my job to focus on my mental health. So at this point, I still didn't know that I had an eating disorder. I just thought that, you know, I was depressed um, and I had anxiety. And um, so those were the things that I was focusing on at the time. So yeah, a lot of changes happened that year. We, uh, my partner and I, we had to move out of our rental property because we couldn't afford it on one income and ended up moving in with his parents. and. Um, you know, I felt a lot of guilt and shame because I didn't have a job and I wasn't contributing to the, the household, like financially contributing. And that year was probably the hardest for me in terms of my mental health. I was seeking support from a psychologist and psychiatrist for my anxiety and depression, but I still felt like there was something missing that had to do with my relationship with my body and with food. And I'd often tried to explain it to you know healthcare providers I tried to, to tell my GP and I tried to sell, tell other psychologists that I sort of felt like I was addicted to food and that I couldn't stick to a diet um, I was often told by my doctors that I should lose weight and restrict foods and exercise more and that really made me feel like I was the problem so, you know, I couldn't really, you know, tell them that actually I'm really struggling with this. It was, no, you've got to do these things and it'll work. You know, I was also told by psychologists to keep things like a food journal. And I found that really triggering because with the binging, the binge eating came a lot of guilt and shame and secrecy. And you don't want to share those things with other people. So, you know, I would often falsify those food journals um, because I was so ashamed of the food that I was eating and how much I was consuming as well. So I think I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't truly be honest with my psychologist in that moment because I didn't understand what was going on and I didn't know how to ask for help around my eating issues. Um, but the turning point for me came that came during that very hard year. Um, I had a GP appointment and I think it was just to get a referral for my mental health uh, treatment. And like she always did, she told me to hop on the scales, <laughs> which was really triggering. And it was the first time that I'd weighed myself in a really long time. And I became really shocked at the number that I saw on the scales. Um, and I can remember everything about that day. Like it was just probably the hardest day of my life. Um, like I'd never been that heavy before and I was just absolutely devastated. Um, but again, I was just told to do more, to lose weight, even though, you know, in that moment I was really struggling with my mental health. It was hard enough to get out of bed every day, let alone go and exercise and, and things like that. And I became sucked into that need to want to restrict and go on a diet again. Uh, I was just about to splurge um, on 
some diet products that a friend was promoting and, and trying to sell. Um, but I had an appointment with my psychologist who um, had just told me that she'd recently met a dietitian in the local area who specialised in mental health. And I now realised that the dietitian specialised in eating disorders, but my psychologist didn't tell me that in case that, you know, that worried me and put me off seeing her. Um, so she gave me the dietitian's contact details and, you know, I sort of just pushed it aside. I thought, like I've seen a dietitian before, no one's going to be able to help me. And then one night I ended up, you know, looking at her details online. And for the first time in my life, I learned about binge eating disorder. And it was just such a relief to put a name to it. Um, because for so long, I just felt like I was alone. And I truly believed that, you know, I was the only one in the world experiencing what I was experiencing. And because I carried, you know, the, the things that the GP had said to me that indicated that it was my fault, um, just to know that it actually wasn't my fault was, yeah, it was life-changing for me. Um, in addition to learning about binge eating disorder, you know, also learned more about bulimia too and, you know, what the symptoms of bulimia were as well. And you know, to be able to, to put a name to those things that I was experiencing and had experienced in the past. Um, yeah, that was the moment that everything really changed for me. So from my dietitian, I was then referred to um, a binge eating disorder and bulimia, like therapeutic and support group, which was absolutely incredible. Um, not only did I learn skills to help me in my recovery, but the fact that I got to meet other people who had very, very similar experiences to me was so incredible. Yeah, just the power in being around other people who had experienced binge eating and, and bulimia. Um, I remember the very first session and we all got an opportunity to share our stories and it was so powerful just hearing other people's stories, but also being able to share my own too. Um, it's something that I had kept to myself for a long time. Um, you know, the only person that I had told about my experiences was probably probably the dietitian. Um, so yeah, being a, I hadn't even told my family or my partner at that stage. So yeah, being able to be in a safe environment and share my story and know that I wasn't alone. Um, I left feeling. You know, it was a very emotionally draining day, but there was just some, there was like a fire in me and I could could see that I could get better. So from then I was sort of receiving support from this group. I had a dietitian, a psychologist and a psychiatrist. And um, a few months later, I was able to go back to work, uh, not to the capacity that I was. Um, so I went, I did like a casual role. Um, over Christmas and um, starting, started to get back into a bit of a routine and then I started documenting my recovery journey online through a blog and on Instagram and started following people who promoted body acceptance um, and body diversity too, changing my Instagram and social media feeds to to things um, that promoted body diversity and, and seeing people who had similar bodies to my own was really helpful because previously I'd used Instagram as a tool to, 
well, to compare myself and I guess to, to get motivation to make myself smaller. I was quite obsessed with, you know, before and after photos and, and things like that. I started reading books and listen, uh, listening to podcasts about body image and eating disorders. And, you know, I started to feel really liberated and slowly began to feel more mentally healthy as well. So, um, you know, it's the big question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And I don't know if, you know, it was my depression or anxiety that came first or if it was the eating disorder that came first. But um, I was finally able to understand that they they can all connect it. Um, and I guess being able to share my recovery journey online, I started to become really passionate about sharing my story. Um, one, one of the main reasons is because I feel like binge eating disorder isn't spoken about as much as other eating disorders, but yet it's one of the most common eating disorders. So I really want to raise awareness and educate people, um, encourage people to seek help early so others don't go through the same struggles that I did. And I'm also really passionate about sharing my story because I think it's really important that people are aware that eating disorders do affect people of all body shapes and sizes and weights. Um, because I believe that one of the reasons why my eating disorder behaviours were accepted and encouraged and sometimes even congratulated by other people was because of my weight. Um, you know, it wasn't often seen as an issue and it was quite normal to dislike your body and, and want to lose weight. And I've also found like a use for my struggles um, and to turn that into a passion to, to help others. So two years ago, I started coaching women with body image concerns. And this year, I've sort of started to transition into more peer support, peer mentor work around eating disorders and mental illness. So um, I began a role as a mental health peer support worker in um, community health and also facilitating um, eating disorder groups eating disorder recovery groups online too um yeah it's something that I never thought that I would be doing um you know when you think back to when you're in high school and you plan your life out and your career and what you want to do I think working in this field is something that I never imagined doing um but I'm very grateful for my struggles because it has led me here um and I've developed a real passion for peer support too because I think it's so important in recovery because you can often feel so alone and um, feel like that recovery is just too hard and you know many people don't have a, a recovery role model um, or know someone who has recovered so I think it's in addition to all those more formal supports I think um, having a peer support worker is so beneficial and I wish that I had access to peer support in my recovery. Um, I think it's just brilliant and uh, more people need to know about it, that it exists and um, I think, yeah, it needs to be included in, in more mental health services and eating disorder services because it just brings something different to the table. Um, but, yeah, that's 
my story, my, yeah, the, the long story short. Um, yeah, I'm so grateful for my journey. Uh, it was hard, but I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be the person I am today without going through that. Um, and if I can help other people, um, even just one person, uh, to recognise the signs of binge eating disorder or um, to reach out for help, then it's been worth it. We thank Sarah for being so open with her recovery journey and I have no doubt that this will definitely inspire others to understand that recovery is definitely possible. We would like you to also stay tuned for next episode where we have a special guest, Tully Humphrey, who is the entrepreneur, designer and owner of Tully Lou, the active wear brand. Tully was featured in one of our recovery talks at Body Matters in the past and we will be talking about how her active wear brand in life now does inspire her today. So stay tuned for our next episode and we will see you then.